You're listening to the Built Shaves Podcast, presented by Midcoast Sports. There is still time to sign up for Midcoast Sports, plus your streaming destination for University of North Dakota hoops, as well as football, volleyball, soccer, softball, and more. Midcoast Sports Plus is the home of the Summit League Network, getting you access to every live event, conference-wide, home and away. Sign up today at midcoastsportsplus.com. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast. We're taping this on Tuesday morning, the 20th of February, episode 149, everybody, nearing the 150 mark. Alex Heinert, Bill Shaves, great to be with you today, Bill, as always. No, I appreciate it, Alex, and uh, for sure excited uh, for uh, this upcoming week, of course, and uh, as things are sort of winding down, right, they're kind of, I don't know, speeding up and winding down. (laughs) it's exactly right it is that funny time of year when you have got really all all the main winter sports are closing in on championship season indoor track and field championships this weekend basketball championships just two weeks away the spring sports are just picking up we're going to talk about all that coming up over the course of the next hour or so before we get to some of those specifics we are going to bring in a special guest, as, as has been the huge this season, and a very special guest today, one of our favorites, a guy that's been associated with UND Athletics in some way, shape, or form since 2011, a beloved voice of sports in the state of North Dakota for decades upon decades. <laughs> I'm making him sound old. He's not. He's a young, vibrant man. He's Jack Michaels, the radio play-by-play voice for UND football and UND women's basketball. Jack, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for not aging me, Alex. And uh, yeah, 32 (laughs) years, I would say, is probably a lot uh, to be doing this. And I finally made it. I've arrived. I'm on the Bill Chase podcast. So let's let's not kid ourselves. I'm here. Yeah, it's crazy, Jack. Uh, They said this pod wouldn't last. I guess we just have to keep doing them. That's really about (laughs) it. Whether someone listens to them or not, that's a whole other story. Jack, talk about your career real quick. You, you mentioned uh, over three decades. How, how did it all begin? So I'm sitting and uh, listening to my mentor, Lee Halverson, uh, one of the great uh, broadcasters and uh, in North Dakota, from Western North Dakota, was also an auctioneer. Uh, you know, he was a uh, come from the uh, Roulette Wolford area there, so you, you can find it right there. Fast, uh, uh, and 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 Lee did my high school games, Bill and Alex and. And and I used to imitate him because he had there was something about old school broadcasters that that have uh, that tempo and pace. And Bill, you've been around, you know it. And Alex, oh, yeah. obviously, one of the great broadcasters we have in the, in the nation. But I would listen to my mother, Marge, would would tape our high school games on cassette tape. Thank you, mm. Alex, and for those kids listening out there, it was cassettes and. And I go back after a game and I listen to Lee and I'm like, man, I loved, I wasn't so enamored by the game. I was enamored by the way this guy broadcast games, you know, and mm-hmm. he had that, you know, top of the key, jump shot, good shaves over to Heinert, Heinert dips and dives to traffic, two minutes night. <laughs> he had that tempo net, bouncy voice, basket counts, whistle and foul, timeout on the floor. Now this from the Plainsman Hotel, you know, or whatever. And he would, <laughs> and I, I thought this, this man, so when Lee would, um, the broadcasters in high school traveled with the team bus and I'd always sit in the back of the bus and then when I'd see Lee come on the bus and he'd always sit up front and play pinochle with our coaches and cards while we drove, but I'd sit in the back and I'm like 16 going, well, there's Lee Halverson just jumped on the bed. I'd hide. He'd be like, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> so, you know, long story short, I, I kind of, uh, was imitating and mimicking. And then a couple of years later, I'm in, college and i'm i'm sitting by lee doing a state basketball tournament in north dakota and he gets laryngitis and as story goes you know lee turns to me and he just says you're on and i'm like what do you mean i'm on i haven't broadcast he goes well you've been and his voice was you've been imitating me for three years you should be able to so i literally that was the baptism by fire start Uh, and I, I did those games and I did them as him. I'd be like, top the key, come <laughs> shot, good, basketball. I'm just, I'm not only not me, I'm just stealing everything I've heard from him. And, you know, that kind of lent itself on and, 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 and through college and, you know, with, with uh, communications, not sure what you're going to be. And I had a, I had a baseball coach in college that also worked at a radio station, got me a job. You know, we all got to make some money. There was no NIL back when we were in college, mm. you know, there was no, nothing like that. So. 
uh, did that and, and found out that's the field. Moved to a morning radio show and did sports, and then from there is it was on. So I started dabbling in in uh, D League or G League basketball and CBA basketball and high school football and basketball and baseball, and then the then this team, the Red Hawks, uh, came into existence in in minor league baseball. And and long story short, their GM asked me. I heard you do a great public address announcing, and I did a lot of PA work, and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm kind of a connoisseur of PA announcing. You know, the less is more. Let the crowd feel it. You don't have to, for, you know. I said, but I actually would love to do, I, I'd be play-by-play guy. I'd love, I'm a play-by-play guy. And uh, and the GM said, oh, well, give me a tape. And I really didn't have anything on baseball on tape. I, I did some Legion World Series. I did some high school, but – not like the sound of aluminum off a ball for an air check tape for a pro baseball team. So I'm like, I can't use my Legion baseball stuff. So what I did is anything anybody would do. Alex would do this. Bill, I'm sure you would do this. I went to the basement of my house and I watched a Cleveland Seattle game, turned the sound down on the TV and did play by play of three innings, brought that back to the, the radio station, put in fake sound and brought it to the GM, and he heard it, and he listened for about 20 seconds. He went, yep, that's the sound I want. And, of course, I was probably stealing some of Lee Halverson back then, too, and that's how my uh, baseball started. So I just added that, and, and that was in 1996. So, I mean, then you can start putting the years together on just baseball. But, yeah, and then, as Alex said, you know, when, when I moved to Bismarck for a half a dozen years and got a call from North Dakota, it said, would you like to be the voice of UND football? I was like, my goodness gracious. Let's go. My Fargo station said, uh, we'd like to have you back as our sports director. And I said, only if you allow me to be the UND uh, radio play-by-play voice for football. And they said, you bet. And I went, you bet. And that's, you know, so in a nutshell, that's a little bit of the of the story and the history of all those different sports and how it got going. That is awesome, Jack. So, so this is a dangerous question, and I know it. I know it already, but I'm going to throw it out there because I wouldn't be doing my job. Which sport is your favorite to do? Well, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I'll, I'll I'll say it this Bill, it is a dangerous question. I have identical twin daughters as you guys know. It's the equivalent of of, of saying, "Jack, which daughter do you like best?" <laughs> you right. know. That's right. Right. But I, I answer that this way because it is uh it it for those of us that truly are blessed to be able to broadcast different sports and and Alex is so good at what he does he can understand this that you get so much out of each one i love football because football to me is is uh you know you're just setting that stage under center twin receivers to the right here's the hand up at the backfield and and boom there he breaks it out to the 15 inside the 10 brought it to the of the set and it's this build and this this rush and build and boom and then you're done and then your color commentator the expert you know comes in and describes what it is so that it, it's just that setup of football and the intensity of a pregame and it's building towards this big volcanic moment of a couple of hours but i tell you the basketball the pace of basketball is fast and furious and you could and and it just it it is in my blood because i played that too in in college and i I get that, and and there's big moments of just unbelievable plays, and that. But I always say this: if you cut my vein open, baseball would fall out, and baseball would roll out like blood flowing down my arm. It is, uh, it is the storytelling. Yeah. It is, it is everything that is great. It is sunshine. It is, if if you can't smell a hot dog during a radio broadcast, you haven't done your job painting that picture. If you can't. <laughs> There's something about that sport that has a lot of life to it, and I and it's a storytelling sport. So, you know that I. So thanks for that very unfair, but I understand question. So I'm crushing <laughs> Alex right now because he he I, I, he's got the next two after this. But uh, but you mentioned that <laughs> the fresh cut of grass too would be mm-hmm. one, and then mention mention your time with Maury Wills. Well, yeah, I, I tell you, there there are three men in my life that I always finish phone conversations or conversations with. I love you, my dad, my brother, and Maury. And unfortunately, I lost my father and Maury within a span of 30 days in 2022, so just recently, and two really influential uh, people. Maury came uh, to the Red Hawks because 
Um, RGM was tight with Bobby Bragan. If people saw the movie 42 with Jackie Robinson, you understand Bobby Bragan was one of those men that didn't want to play with a, with an African-American player and really was adamant about, you know, having Jackie on the Dodgers. And then, as you know, Bobby Bragan turned it full circle and became one of the biggest supporters of Jackie Robinson. And then he was managing in, in the Dodgers organization and Bobby uh, was also Maury Wills manager. So fast forward, Real quick, uh, the Red Hawks were bringing a, a speaker in uh, as this is a new professional team in the Red River Valley. And our GM said, I'll get Bobby Bregan to come and speak. Bobby wasn't available, but he says to them, how about you get Maury Wills? Went, wow, yes, if we can get Wills. So Maury came up, and the owner of the team saw the influence that Maury had so much. They went, we need to put him, we need to have him around more. What should we do? And they said, well, Let's have him broadcast with Jack. He and Jack can be a team. And that that's kind of how it started with Maury. So uh, we were together for 10 years, uh, driving in a van, in my van with the two twins, car seats in the back, for 10 years up and down the upper Midwest, uh, together calling games to St. Paul and Chicago and Madison at the time in Kansas City. And uh, I tell you, you know, if Bill Chaves, Alex Heiner, and Jack Michaels are in a van for 10 hours driving together, we learn a lot about each other too, our personal lives, our uh, struggles, our joys. And that's what it was. Think about that. That's, I learned everything about Maury from his overcoming uh, addiction uh, to being, you know, 30, 40 years sober, I suppose, at the time that he passed, uh, to uh, growing up at the Parkside Projects, you know, son of a minister, not having cleats, uh, you know, when he was signed for $500. Um, to the breaking of the color barrier, what Jackie Robinson meant to him, uh, throughout everything in his life. And then, you know, it, it was just such an intimate uh, relationship with Maury, but just two guys that struck, just hit it off, you know. And, you know, I didn't see him as a man of color. He didn't see me as a, you know, tall guy from Williston, North Dakota. He didn't see, you know, people would say, what a great base dealer. I'd always say, what a great ball player. And Maury would appreciate that because he was known for base stealing, but you can't steal first. So I'd say, Maury, I don't see that as you. So it, it really was uh, was great. I mean, the, the cool things were driving in a car and his phone would ring because he was still working with the Dodgers. And you name it, it's on there. It, it did like, hold it. Just a second, Tommy. Hold the phone, Tommy. Talk to Jack. I need something on the glove box. And then Tommy Lasorda. Uh, just a second. Yeah, Sandy, I'll be there next week, Sandy. Hold on a second. Could you talk to Jack? I got to get in Sandy Koufax. Or yeah. you <laughs> name the guy, and he would just pass the phone. And I'm like, this is insane. You know, hey, hey, yeah. Sandy. Hi. Yeah. How you doing there? You know. <laughs> and so that relationship was uh, was really good. But uh, what people don't know about, but, you know, maybe Maury, and I know it may, may be getting long, but you could obviously you've hit a subject of a near and dear friend, uh, is that, we're in, we're in South Dakota, and, uh, and I go into a C-store to get snacks. Thank you very much. You know that snacks are going to be involved. And, you, what? You and I come out. No. <laughs> right, Alex. <laughs> right, Alex. So I'm in a, I mean, I go in the morning, I go to the C-store, and I, and I come out, you know, and, and, and he's still in there, and he's been in there for five minutes. He's in there for seven minutes. He's in there. Now it's 15. I'm thinking, my gosh, I hope something hasn't happened to Maury in this store as we were on our route. And he had, he had noticed a woman. Uh, that seemed down on her, just down, you know, and she had, uh, and he recognized it, a woman that struggled with alcohol, a woman that was about to make a bad choice that day. And Maury Wells, in the middle of South Dakota, spent a half an hour with a woman just to dep def uh, befriend her and, and go through that. And that was a, a normal occurrence. And it's amazing of all the things you think you know about Maury and breaking Ty Cobb's record and one of the greatest Dodgers of all time, I see him as the guy that, that 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 sat with a woman in the middle of South Dakota to uh, to go over her addiction issues and two people fighting over a disease and kind of saving her life maybe that day just by you know so there's a lot of things that that Maury meant to me and and it's it, it's such a beloved man and a man that I think should be in the Hall of Fame Bill and and Alex to tell the truth but he doesn't need that to understand the impact he had on baseball. So it was uh yeah, pretty good guy. I was I'm I'm lucky. I wasn't born when he was breaking Cobb's mark. My father had to tell me everything about what, what he was about and the way he played and how he would get on and Sandy Koufax would shut teams down and that's how the Dodgers 
you know, one. So it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, I, I'm glad I got to spend that time and I learned through him a lot about, a lot about the game. So yeah, good stuff. Well, I seven time all-star three time world series champ NL MVP in 62, two time gold glove award winner, mm. six time NL stolen base leader. Mm. Sounds like a hall of famer to me. Doesn't it bill. And, and it's funny, you know, if those listening to this podcast, you see the split screen back in the day, television, it would use a split screen. And I, and if I'm not mistaken, I think because of Wills's impact on stealing bases, actually televisions had to split the screen to show the pitcher and the runner because he would, he would take off before he would. So he may have been the reason why we see now split screens and television, because back in that day, uh, you would uh, you would have to keep an eye on this this little little guy that shortstop for the Dodgers. I don't uh, hmm. yeah. And one of the famous fights, I guess, for brawls of all time is the Roseboro Marischal brawl. Sure. sure, people can remember that. And John Roseboro, who was Morris' roommate, by the way, on on road trips for the Dodgers and Juan Marischal, you know, great Giants pitcher. Mm-hmm. And Wills had been hit by a pitch in the ribs that game by Juan Marischal. And I only tell this now because Maury told it. Otherwise, I, I, I'd probably need his blessing. But he and, and Sandy okayed it through Maury to tell with us on the broadcast. So, uh, so Maury Wills gets hit, takes his base, probably steals a couple of bags, whatever. But he gets in the dugout. And the Dodgers turn, and Sandy Koufax is throwing the day and said, Sandy, you got to hit one of them. And Koufax, being the nice man he was, I guess his response was, well, I'll just strike him out. And I said, no, 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 <laughs> you've got to plunk. You've got to, they hit more. You've got to hit them. You got to hit one of them. He goes, eh, eh, uh, how about if I just strike him out? You know, this is <laughs> finally John Roseboro turned to Maury and said, I'll take care of it, Rumi. And Marischal's up to bat. And for those that don't know the story, uh, ball comes in and Roseboro to throw it back to Sandy Koufax, whizzes it by the ear of Juan Marischal, mm. pitchers, of course, hitting back then. And that's when Marischal took the bat and clunked Roseboro over the head and then just all, you know what, broke loose. But that's what started that that one of the most famous brawls in baseball. And I'm not sure if that story's been told too much about the backstory on that where Sandy didn't want to throw at a giant. So Roseboro said, I'll take care of it. Whiz the ball past Marischal's ear. He clunks Roseboro on the head. And now you've got Katie bar the door. So, yeah, good stuff. That's fantastic. Is that available on YouTube somewhere? I'm assuming that footage exists somewhere. If Maybe. you Google if you Google Roseboro Marischal, I'll guarantee you're probably going to take a peek at that. But, you know, the funny thing is Hal Lanier uh, was the manager in, in, in the bigs, but Hal was playing for the Giants, and Lanier went on to manage the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Maury was a broadcaster with, with me, the Red Hawks, and when we'd play Winnipeg, and around that hole around the cage, it'd be Hal, Maury, and you know, and I'd go down there going, and I'd always, you know, why wouldn't I, Alex and Bill say, Hey, how about that that Roseboro Marischal? <laughs> then those two would go, remember that? Hal, where were you? Were you on the bottom of the pile? No, I was out, you know, and that would start yeah. a whole oh, conversation. Man. Oh, oh I can man. imagine. It is so funny how so many, so many greats, you know, find themselves in different parts of the world or different walks of life, but baseball always seems to be a part of it. And so cool you yeah. have that experience. On independent ball, the American Association with one of the, the greatest to ever do it. I, Jack, obviously, this is going to be your 19th season calling Red Hawks baseball. It's going to be your 14th calling UND football. You've done UND women's basketball now for a while as well. That's the season you're in the midst of right now. I'd be yeah. remiss to not ask. I know it's a young team, certainly this year. What's your read on how Mallory Bernhardt's crew has been doing now down the stretch as they get ready to turn the page to the Summer League tournament in two weeks? Yeah, I tell you, Alex, the, uh, you know, preseason, everybody had UND ranked fourth. And, and I looked at Mal and that's, that's great. And of course, when you're returning the pre, you know, the play, first team all conference player and, you know, you got a, you know, got a couple there. And Mal said, I, I think that's a high watermark right there. It's not that we can't get there, but uh, that, that's pretty good love shown on the preseason poll. And then I, I think for the ladies, they, they, they've had trouble, you know, learning to win when you've had leads. And having that maturity to close out games and walk off into the sunset and and do it the next week. And then you've got this mixture of youth that is trying to figure themselves out. You know, the pressure has, I think, ball handling, you know, so they, they succumb to a lot of presses and the, the turnovers come in there. So I the want is there. 
I think some of the great athletes and and we have uh it's it's nice to know we've got four different provinces uh, maybe even more you know we got from British Columbia to Ontario to Regina Saskatchewan to Strathroy Ontario to Dorval Quebec um so you know you've got these pieces that that you're trying to fit into a a mold it all get flowing but I and it's taken a lot of time to do that and I think to gel and and I think what this year has pointed out is how much you miss, if not the, the greatest ball players, but how much you miss during the course of, of previous years, you know, the 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 heart of a Michaela Ranke who who just uh, gave it her all, maybe was outmatched, maybe in some of the talent, but boy, not an out at heart her. Uh, the Julia Fleece is the Claire Orth that maybe didn't score a lot, but boy, she defended, and that was a, a really good thing, or a Julia Fleece that could really do it all and 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 get it done, or a Maggie Manson with leadership and shooting ability. So I think when you you take away a lot of those, you can't just replace them or force it on freshmen and sophomores saying, "Hurry up, you got to be this." You know they've got to be themselves. And you know I'm I'm hoping for successes. This team shocks me, Alex and Bill, because when they play well, man, it's fun and it's a great flow. And the ball's being shared, and they're they're making good choices, and they're knocking down threes, and they've got a little swagger to them, and it's all great. But but you know when that's turning it over the basketball and and things of that nature, it can get south, and now you're digging out a you're trying to dig out of a hole, and and then you know I'm sure Casey Baravich feels oh I gotta do my I gotta do more you know and and so my hope is that in the remaining games that they continue to build and 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 find something that they can lock in on and it's not going to be easy because they got a game in Fargo, Brookings and Vermillion and those are three three dangerous places to play but come March uh you know can they strike gold last year a 6 seed in Omaha picked off a nice opening round win and made a little noise can North Dakota uh be that team this year that's that's what I'm hoping still time certainly to jostle their way up the rankings a little bit but yeah three tough road games to finish out the regular season ah, well we'll see jack you're just the best you you've, you've done such an awesome job and all the different responsibilities and roles that you've had and we appreciate you taking some time as you gear up for baseball season which is just around the corner if you were going to power rank snacks that you have at a scorer's table jack what would be your top three Let's top three stats that. snacks Oh, snacks. <laughs> this is snacks. a man that throws out snacks during the seventh inning stretch at Newman Outdoor Field. Oh, uh, bless your heart, Alex. Yeah, the snacks is, uh, and, the, and the, sometimes the tough thing is sneaking it into arenas. But anyway, the uh, top <laughs> the top three snacks, you, you're probably going to find a, a roll of Pringles. And this isn't a knock on, on where inflation or anything, but have you seen the price of Pringles lately? They are shooting for the roof. <laughs> Uh, we've really got to get that down. We've got to fix our economy so I'm not spending $8 on a honey bun. But that's also a good snack because it's got a good sugar in the dough and the Pringles. The problem with doing games at the Betty is that uh, the food is so good at the Betty Ingolstead Arena that it kind of makes the snacks I bring look very small. And I'm, I'm re- mm. I, I drive around with regret after having literally the best pretzel in the tri-state region at the Betty. And this isn't just, I'm not just sucking up because Bill Chaves, the AD, is I'm on his podcast and the great Alex Hyder is here. I've been saying this for years. It's not, it's number one of three. In fact, if you need to know the top three pretzels in the tri-state region, number one, Betty Ingleset Sioux Center. Number two, Newman Outdoor Field in Fargo. Number three, Winemere, North Dakota, because they mm. leave you a little bowl of cinnamon if you choose to dip your pretzel into cinnamon. Oh man. Yeah. That's a good little nugget for the fans out there. Yeah, that's it. You want to talk snacks? We I don't know, Bill and Alex, if we have a like a snack Michaels podcast, we can do I can break down every concession stand from here to probably Dorval, Quebec. We we will <laughs> we will put that on the radar screen for sure, Jack. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, gang man. It's I love talking about it and and uh what we do is you know, we, I walk around every day, lucky to do what I do for the school that I do it for. And honestly, it's 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 a fan, and then I'm I'm obviously a big fan of Alex Heinert. Alex, if you'd have been Lee Halverson, I'd have been imitating Alex Heinert growing up. And who knows where I'd be today? <laughs> the the world would be a lesser place if that was the case. Everybody's <laughs> imitating Jack Michaels these days, so it's cool how you pay that forward. But no, Jack, the, the absolute best, and we're so thankful you could join us today. Best of luck finishing up the women's hoop season. We'll talk to you soon.
Uh, bless you guys. Jack. Thank you for having me on. So great to have Jack Michaels on the podcast today. Just one of the all-around good guys and such an outstanding broadcaster, uh, 2019 North Dakota Broadcaster of the Year. We are very lucky to have him calling multiple sports in the University of North Dakota Athletics family. Just one of the best. Yeah, he just does a, uh, a tremendous job, Alex. And more more than that, if you're ever on the road with him, how much care he takes and what he does and the care he takes with the people around him mm-hmm. as well. And uh, he really is an asset for our coaches and our student athletes when they're on the road. It's really amazing. So uh, we're, we're lucky to have him for sure. He's an asset to the people that are on the trip who are just covering the sport. I know like on all those football trips that I would go on with the team, not just the fact that he makes it fun, like he just has this fun, infectious personality and they're always stories and laughs and you're playing games in the bus ride, like the numbers game where he's like, everybody, everybody pick different numbers and then tie it into a stat that's going to happen during the game. So I need, I need to give you the numbers. The numbers are 19, 27, 45, two. And you'd have to think of different things, you know, such and such is going to have two sacks during this game. UND is going to have 19 first downs through three quarters. And it would just be little things like that that would just get your brain thinking and create conversation. But yes, the fact that he would go and print off an extra copy of his notes that he had taken about standings or interesting things that he had and just pass them out to everybody else. Like, here's some stuff I found out. You throw it away if you want to, but you can use it if you want to. Just to share the work that he did with the rest of the van before you got to the gym. Like it just, I don't know, not everybody does that. I would say very few people do that. Just a very generous man with his time and the care that he takes. His personality is infectious. And yeah, we couldn't say enough good things. So fun to have him on. And as you, as you know, you, you've, uh, you've been embedded with teams and and on travel and sometimes things happen uh, on Mm -hmm. on travel. And it's not, I mean, as long as you, especially if you're flying, you get up and you get down you can deal with anything else right so uh but when things do go awry correct he'll he'll kind of break the ice by just doing a little play by play of what's going on and you know i mean it does make you smile and laugh no you can't help it so again one of the good guys in the business and again great to have him calling UND women's hoops and UND football uh crazy to think we're not that far away august 31st the season opening for football spring ball will start soon again but obviously yes we're going to talk a lot in this podcast now about the sports that are very much yep. in the midst of it and, and grinding through and we talked a bit about women's hoops just to continue on another split weekend with the win against denver and then a loss against oral roberts as jack mentioned a tough stretch to finish out the regular season but this is a young team that has shown flashes at times and they've put together some good quarters here and there Certainly possible to pick up another win or two before the tournament and go into Sioux Falls with some momentum. Yeah, I agree. I I think Jack put it exactly right. And if you kind of uh, look over uh, on the men's side as well, I think when uh, Paul was mentioning, you know, we were going through that that uh, six game losing streak at one point in time. We just sometimes struggled when um, the gave the game threw us some curveballs. And I'm not sure we could write it at that point in time. Now we've kind of, I think, figured it out over there to some level. But on the on the ladies' side, correct. When things are going great, it's fine. But sometimes I think when it get when the game gets you know interesting, when 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 there's pressure put on them uh, in, in certain ways, um, unfortunately, our our response level hasn't probably been a, a, as good as it it needs to be at some point. And I think it's not from lack of effort. It's actually from too much effort. It's actually like back to the Belichick thing, right? Do your job. I mean, I think there's folks on our team that are trying to do too much at that point in time. And and that's when it's a sign of, of a team that's just not um, as experienced as certainly we were last year. You could see this past week a good microcosm of that, where they play a Denver team at home and really controlled that game. And and the game was played at the pace they wanted to. And it was a a nice, I don't want to say a comfortable win, but they looked like they were in control. They were playing within themselves. You win by 10 points on the road against a team that is right there with you, battling for position in the middle of the pack in the Summit League. And then two days later, you play an Oral Roberts team, which is just not a good matchup. And the Golden Eagles... Put the press on right from the start, and UND just didn't handle that very well. And we saw that down in Tulsa as well. Like you, in that game, UND was that game was tight for a half, and then ORU started to pressure, and then things changed. 
This was a different story where it was right away and, and just, the ladies just couldn't deal with it. And so no, I know so much of this is matchup based. And when you've got a team with young guards and, and you know, not, not everybody's young, of course, Casey's a fifth year senior handling the ball, et cetera. But when everybody, like you said, is just maybe trying so hard to fix the problem when yep. it comes up, that's when panic happens. And then you get too many turnovers and you find yourself in a big hole that you just yeah, can't dig out. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, I, I was watching from Colorado Springs and, um, and, and many were watching at the Betty and, and sometimes you're up higher or you can see it on a TV screen or, or whatever it is, or some sort of a screen. Uh, but the reality of it is it's a lot different when you're on the court. And, and at the end of the day, we just didn't handle the uh, heat well that day. And so, um, needless to say, um, not everyone plays like that to some level, but we have got to figure that piece out, no doubt about it, because you never know. We could see him down in Sioux Falls. You never know. Yeah, and that's a lot to be decided. Again, most teams have four games left. UND has three before the Summit League tournament coming up on the 8th through the 12th in Sioux Falls. Currently 5-8 and eight in conference. There's still opportunity there to sneak up the standings a little bit. So hopefully things can go well. Tough road trips on the way. Again, at yep. NDSU, at SCSU, at USD. That's three of the top five in the conference right now. But Hey, that's that's why they play the game. Great opportunity to go and and, and rivalry games, especially. As yeah, well, can always be flipped. It's a if for us, it's a, you know based on the nine teams on both genders, we probably can slide into the men in a second. But yeah, it's a one game week, um, so it's it's a little bit. You've got a little bit of time to yourself to work on your own your own stuff, if you will. And I, I know, you know, it's, we're never not working on our opponent to some degree, but there's a little moment right now where both the men and women can take a deep breath this week and probably take a hard look at themselves and, and kind of self-scout themselves and, and try to figure some things out and then get deep into the, uh, the NDSU scout. Yeah, big game coming up at Fargo. Again, that's part of a doubleheader this Saturday. Yep. So the men yep. are playing first at 1 o'clock. The women will play at 4 Two really big games. And it, obviously, the women played NDSU very close at the Betty. Again, that became down to free throws kind of down the stretch. The Bison made all theirs, and UND just couldn't couldn't ship away in the ends. Uh, on the men's side, of course, UND winning that game over North Dakota State just a couple of weeks ago on a great finish. Uh, Amar Kaluovich finishing with two seconds left or so to win a two-point game. Uh, the men, by the way, now just continue to do incredible things night in, night out. And you said they had that six-game losing skid. They were 0-3 to start the conference. That is flipped completely. They've won nine of their last 10 now after another road sweep at Denver and at Oral Roberts. Two pretty good teams. And mm -hmm. you, you, you mentioned you were in Colorado Springs. You also were in the Mile High City as well. I saw you sitting courtside next to Polly Rawl during the game against the Pios on Thursday night. Uh, again, just really impressive finishing it felt like in both of those games both of those games could have kind of been either or games yeah and you could see UND making the plays when they needed to to give themselves the breathing space to make to make both comfortable victories yeah so so two things I on the uh, so each game uh we talked about challenges right each game presents its own challenge I I said to Paul I think uh it was inside whatever the timeout is the men's are doing, I think inside four minutes at some point in time to go in the game. And it was basically a tie game at that stage of the game. And, and I said to him, you know, you know, you come on the road and you play pretty much an even game for 36 minutes. This is one where you want to just be better in the next four minutes. I mean, because it's hard, as we all know, to to win on the road or better yet to be said, you're trying to always protect home court. And so certainly DU was in that mindset. So we just had to figure out how to get that one done. And we did. I mean, we had a really good closing four minutes and, uh, you know, did a did a really, really good job in that regard and really did a good job on Tommy Bruner all night. I mean, Bruner, you know, I, and again, sometimes you just have those nights where you know, he struggled uh, to to see the floor in the first half because he got a, a foul, like, you know, his second foul with about 10 minutes to go in the first half. So his night was a little disjointed. And I think we had something to do with it. But but, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, we did a great, great job. And, you know, Trayson had a heck of a second half. And, uh, you know, um, I think he he pulled one in front of uh, us in the scorers table. And I, I'm not sure I couldn't have touched him. I think I think I could have mm. reached over the table and touched him. <laughs> That's how close he was. And so uh, he was feeling it. I think it, it, the, it the basket looked like the Pacific Ocean for him. And so just he launched Alex. He let it rip, which was awesome. 
That was a transition three. That was really kind of the dagger. I feel like maybe that was a, it was a six point game at the time and UND got a steal and he came down in transition and popped it right in front of the scorer's table. And Bill texted me, that was a no, no, no. Yes. 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 yes of course. Of Why wouldn't you shoot that? We went for 33, a career high that night and just couldn't miss. And, and that helped in route to him being named the Summit League Peak Performer of the Week for the third time this season, by the way. Pretty good stuff for the sophomore from Bismarck. But UND does have a great final four minutes. They pull away and win by 14 in that game yep. and then have to go to Tulsa. And that's, again, this was a team that earlier this season had won 21 in a row in that building. And that's I know right. a little different team this year than that's the one right. they had had the previous incarnation. But still a, a tough place to go play. And you win by 13 against kind of a desperate ORU team that really needed that game after having a couple of stumbles leading up to that one. Uh, and now, again, North Dakota is in first place. They yeah. have a half game lead over South Dakota State. There are, again, as we mentioned, difficult games ahead. It's the same three opponents as the women had at North Dakota State, but then home against South Dakota State, home against USD. You know, North Dakota has, has not won a conference regular season championship in the Summit League era. Yep. They've only won one in the D1 era, going back to 2017 uh, in the Big Sky. This is a gr- this is an opportunity. They are in the driver's seat to do something really special. It won't be easy, but they no. put themselves in position, and it's it's all there in front of them with three games to go. Yeah, so I agree with all of that, no doubt about it. And I think it like teams have their kind of checklists that they want to try to accomplish. Certainly, you know, an opportunity at this point or this juncture to win a regular season ter- uh, title is huge. It, it's absolutely huge, especially, you know, when you're looking at it, um, like we like to always say with the Penrose Cup too, is, you know, that the, the, the having to play everybody home and home and everybody you know, has the same opportunities and to kind of prove yourself through that time frame is 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 incredibly important, no doubt about it. Now, having said all that, I think there's other aspirations for sure that that the team has. But I would say this, Alex, the reason why that Oral Roberts game was huge and all these other games are huge, because I'll tell you what, the delta between teams one, let's call it seven, eight, mm-hmm. nine in this conference on the men's side, not much. No. There are, I believe, three games separating first and seventh. Yep. I mean, that's that's not much. And it it can flip. And we've seen that. I mean, anybody can beat anybody. North Dakota got a taste of that with Kansas City a couple of weeks ago. And then the Roos go out and meet South Dakota State the next time out. And USD is capable. And they're in the bottom right now. And yep. it's just, that's the thing about this year. The parity is so great. That's right. Even if you win the regular season, there really won't be a favorite no. going into the tournament. And every one of those games, every round is going to be a battle. But obviously, yes, if you get the top seed, the benefits are great. You get a chance to play the 8-9 winner. You play on a Saturday. So you play a team that's coming off of probably a tough game. And then you get the day off if you win. Like all those things. So it would be huge if you can get the one seed or the two seed for that matter. Yep. But obviously, yes, the, the bigger aspirations, opportunity to do some really special things. It's all still out there for Ball Sather in this group. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think the, uh, you know, it, the 8-9 game will be a tough game. A hundred percent. Right. I mean, uh, because we've seen all the teams, but uh, yep, it gives you that opportunity to to have that day of rest uh, in between. I think uh, uh, the way it's all set up, you know, it's it's to obviously help the, the top seed. And, and that's what should happen after you've earned it. But we got a long way to go. We got I mean, yeah. we got a huge one on uh, Saturday down in Fargo. That'll be uh, that'll be a really good game. National televised game is the reason yeah. why the men. I mean, not that it matters, men, women playing first or second. It really doesn't matter. But but the window is for the men's game on CBS uh, Sports Network. So so that if anybody was curious as to the reasons why that was going on, that's the reason why. Yeah, good, good call out there. That game on Saturday is one of six on CBS SN. But yeah, really excited to be at the Shack to get to call that game uh, with Freddie Coleman uh, and with Logan Campbell coming up on uh, at one o'clock. And then the women's game at four will be on the Summit League Network or WDAY. So good options there to watch the best rivalry in the state of North Dakota. Go at it. So big ones coming up. Uh, and then moving on, uh, again, SCSU, USD, both at home. So still a great chance to come out to That's the right. Betty if you can't make it to Fargo. Uh, to see this team push for a championship and finish strong down the stretch. Yep. You mentioned Colorado Springs. You were there at Robeson mm-hmm. Arena on Friday and Saturday. 
games that we just didn't expect necessarily to go the way they did for UND hockey. And that, that's with all due respect to Colorado College, who had come to the Ralph and had picked up a couple of overtime wins. I think the expectation was these will probably be two close games, two tight ones. Saturday was tight until the final 20 minutes. You know, Friday, just a, a really good effort by a home team that was fired up and playing well. Two tough losses for North Dakota. Not not damaging in terms of pairwise. They're still in line to be a number one seed. Not necessarily damaging in the Penrose race. They're still in first place in the NCHC with six games to go. But probably a good, I don't know if reality check is the right word, but probably a good opportunity to look and say, okay, what happened? What went wrong? Why weren't we able to be more successful now that as, as UND shifts down to the home stretch? I think you're right, Alex. I think... Uh played against a team that's played very, very well recently in their place. And, uh, you know, they had great crowds. Uh, they were they were excited for the game. Um, I thought it was interesting on Friday night. Um, so I always learn a lot about the rules to some degree. And I do have someone that I can lean on to uh, explain the rules to me because I have probably a lot of questions. But, you know, the opposite of an inadvertent, well, uh, it, it, there could be an, a whistle that I intended to blow. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a potential of an, like an inadvertent whistle, which then could actually be a continuation at some stage, which I didn't know that NHL has that rule. College hockey does not. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at it on Friday night, I, I thought, unfortunately, I think there was an inadvertent whistle, which would have potentially given us a 2-1 lead. Now, I'm not saying I, I I'm just saying it happened. That actually happened. And so you know, could life have changed a little bit that night if that happens? Maybe. I no one will ever know. No one will ever know. But it felt at that point goals were at a premium. And you knew the way Emberico was playing. He's playing great, by the way. Mm-hmm. Great. Um top 10 Richter, right? Award list. It mean he's really good. Um and he had a heck of a weekend. But it felt like every goal past him was going to be a, a difference maker. And then, you know, then, then their third goal, which, you know, could have, could have, would have, who knows? Um, you know, I think that I'm, I always default to the, the call on the ice is probably mm-hmm. where you probably should tend to go unless it's a hundred zero. We've had this conversation a we've long time. That, we, yes. We've covered mm-hmm. these ground, but if it's less than a hundred zero, I'm more than fine with it being the case. Now, it could have been reversed too. So all of that to be said, and then you're chasing the game. And and, and I think that's what happened on Saturday too. I think we came out I'm, at one point I looked up, I think the shots were like 35 to eight. Something like that. It was, it Something was a like lot that. to a little for the, yeah, for the majority of the game. Yeah. And, and give, give Embarico credit. He made the saves, right? We just mm-hmm. didn't, I mean, I felt like the 49ers, we just should have been up <laughs> by more. Yeah. And against that team, you need to take advantage of those moments. That's right. They, they've been one of the best defensive teams in the country all season. And, and they play th- that style. And then they've also got guys now this year that can break the game open at the other ends. And obviously for for UND, as you said, when you are chasing the game and you have to be more aggressive. That's and obviously right. Brad, Brad pulled the goalie pretty early on of Saturday course. as well, trying to chase it. It makes the final scoreline feel a little more lopsided than maybe the nature of the game itself. And that's, I always listen to uh, the USCHO Weekly Rewinds podcast with Jimmy Connolly and Ed Trevsker and those guys. And, you know, they obviously don't always, they can't, you can't watch every game. No. So you're basing it off of what the score looks like. And they're like, boy, what a, you know, blowout wins for the Tigers. And it, yes, the score was what it was, but also it's a two goal game and you pull the goalie and then it becomes a little more lopsided and et cetera. But regardless of that, it's now an opportunity for UND to that's reset. Right. And you get four games in a row at home before going to Omaha to finish out the NCHC regular season. And all the goals that you set for yourself at the beginning of the year are still very much there. No reason to believe the sky is falling or you're, or you're doomed because of this weekend. No, no, no. One, but there's still a lot of hope and a lot of life and a lot of positive things moving forward because they still control their own destiny. Yeah. For all the things they want to do. So your your point is is very well taken. So even I think uh, BC might have been unanimous number one this week and they've got five losses. Right. They've got five losses. And so, you know, I would say this, there's always going to be probably two or three things happening in that all can be true. Sometimes a matchup cannot be great for a team. That can be true. Don't know Um, how you play against certain matchups maybe needs to be really looked at in some way, shape or form. Uh, Spurs playing uh, Wolves. 
start there. So, so at the end of the day, sometimes that can happen where that, where those things occur. I think it's a really good reset opportunity for us to come back, take a hard look because one thing we do know, um, we like our team. I think we've had a really good year. Um, we've got to figure some things out because you don't know what type of team you're going to see moving forward. So For sure. uh, this is where we're at in this moment. Now, you know, it does feel like we've kind of not been at the Ralph for a long time. It felt like we were there all all fall, and it feels mm-hmm. like we haven't been there at this point in time. <laughs> Happy to be back home this weekend. Now we're going to face a you know a difficult Duluth team that always has you know plays us tough and all that rot but you know look forward to uh to playing in front of uh our, our home fans yeah it has been a month I mean it's, it's been it's since been that Denver series at the end of January because again it was a road series at Miami an off week and then a road series at CC it's just amazing how fast time can go in between home sets this time of year but yes UMD coming to town they're mired in a bit of a slump. They will be exceedingly honorary. I got to do their game against Denver on Friday at Amsoil this last weekend. And this is a Bulldog team, again, that's good. They've got good players. They're dangerous in different areas. They were down by two on a couple of occasions against the Pioneers and came back both times to force right. overtime on Friday night, including late with two extra attacker goals. That won't. Those won't be easy games, even though they're seventh right now in the conference standings. And then you get Western Michigan the following weekend uh, for senior weekend. Another a Western team that is very much in that pairwise bubble. Right now they're on the right side of it, but a couple of results go against you and all of a sudden you're not. So there'll be some desperate teams coming to the REA. But again, a great chance to play in front of your home fans and reset things. And again, just a reminder, UND loses those games this weekend. It was their first regulation loss since the start of November. They yeah. had this 21-game streak in which they hadn't lost in regulation. They had gone... I think they had only lost one previous game in the second half of the season. It really had been a a great run for this UND team. So don't read too much into the defeats. Great opportunity to get back on track this week. Last thing for me, last thing for me on this is, you know, the way, the way hockey runs with the statistical formula and how you potentially get into the NCAA tournament, certainly your scoreline is not taken into effect. I think if, if, when you're trying to make an at-large bid in the FCS playoffs, I do think scoreline matters to some degree. I, I I do. I especially towards however it goes. Right. I mean, when you're trying to c- compare less uh, less games, less data points, it, 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 in hockey, you you if you're chasing the game, you know what? Give yourself a chance. Exactly. So, I mean, style, it's not style it, points don't matter. It really computers. doesn't. It does, this isn't a metric that's inserted into the pairwise calculations of what your margin of victory or your margin of defeat is. So a 7-1 loss is exactly the same thing as a one nothing defeat in their eyes. It's a loss. It's on the road. It's against a ranked team. UND dropped one spot in the pairwise because of those two defeats. That's right. That's regardless right. of the score. So no, great point to bring up, Bill. Yeah. So hockey back at home this weekend's. The indoor track and field crew was at home the other day as well uh, with the UND tune-up right before the Summit League Championships coming up in Fargo, just down the road. Two school records were set earlier this month in Boston. It's always hard to know exactly where you stand because everybody's kind of all over the place. But just looking at when you look at the rankings essentially coming in or where, where teams seem to stack up. In the Summit League, the North Dakota men are going to perform well in the distances. They've got a number of guys from the 800 on up that are going to be vying for podium spots. And then the women, I think, in the distance, in the multi-events, certainly. And then in the throws as well. Kenna Curry's having a phenomenal season. They've got people that are going to be able to score. And so it feels like the women have a great shot to maybe do something pretty cool. Make Make the podium. Yep. as a team and you never know what the men if guys can have a great performance uh, it's going to be a fun meet to track this weekend in yeah and, and you know if you're in track and field you relish those days right this mm-hmm. is this is what you're building up towards and you know at the most pinnacle level that would be the olympics right but i mean for for us when you're when you're into college track and field it's your days that you get to go perform in front of the rest of the conference so it should be exciting yeah, and it's best on best. I mean, there's no yeah. holding back. Like it's you've tapered one on up ones, two. right? One, it's exactly, ones. yep, exactly. This is the meet that you want to be performing your best, and you you leave it all out there at this That's point. Right. And so, That's right. should be a ton of fun. Be sure to follow that. I believe the meet will be on the Summit League Network if you want to watch the web stream of what's going on, or certainly follow social media to see what's happening there. But best of luck to the UND men and the women in Fargo this weekend, the 23rd and 24th at the Summit League Indoor Championships. Softball not at home. 
Not not no. going to be at home for a while, not until the early part of April. Although, let me pause you there. If this was a year from now, hmm. Mm. You know, I mean, we're going to have 50s <laughs> this upcoming weekend. Yeah. And if you could push snow, which, and again, who knows, you know, what next year will bring. But we certainly haven't had as much uh, this year, per se. So, so yeah, this could be, now again, a non-conference schedule. We're probably going to go to warmer climbs anyways. But mm-hmm. the opportunity to actually play more games in Grand Forks is just around the corner. Yeah, that is really exciting. You're going to have a turf field, the opportunity to get stuff ready to go much faster than you would, even if there is snow on the ground. This year, however, New Mexico, Texas, Louisiana, uh, California in a couple of weeks, that's where the team's at. Some right. successes, some some close losses, yep. some nice victories for Jordan Stevens' crew. Pretty good start to the year. Yeah, not too bad. I watched them uh, on Sunday on, uh, actually, they were on ESPN Plus. So I uh, watched them and uh, unfortunately left the bases loaded in the first inning and you knew that was going to come back to bite us. It was one out, one out, bases loaded, didn't score. And then uh, it was 0-0 going into like the sixth. And uh, just uh, unfortunately got away from us on Sunday and then lost a, a two-to-one game yesterday. Uh, so, you know, I think the pitching's been um, a little bit more experienced this year, which is good to see. And I think that's what uh, he was hoping for. And I think, you know, the 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 brief returns in, it seems like, yes, we're, 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 we've been a little bit better uh, this year, a uh, little bit more experienced in the circle. Yeah, that's where it always comes back to. 100%. Can, can you have two young women that can throw yep. and, and keep you in games while well, the bats still warm up? But three and eight right now is the record. A lot more games coming, certainly in the non-conference. They'll play a ton of games down south over the next couple of weeks. In the states, I mentioned Florida as well coming up at the start of March. So uh, first home date is scheduled for the, the 6th of April against South Dakota. So fingers crossed that the weather cooperates as it has so far this season for those series against the Oats. Uh, men's and women's tennis as well. Still keeping busy. They will be home just to continue that thread. Home meets coming up. Marquette, uh, Bellarmine, Montana, Drake, Kansas City. A number of dates coming up at Choice to get out and support yeah. the men's and women's tennis teams in the future. Come on out. You don't have to stay the whole time either. It is a long match for sure, but we'd love to have you out there. You'll you, just come out. If you have never seen it again, the price is right. It's free. But at the end of the day, it's a great perch. And there's just a lot of energy in college tennis. It kind of reminds you of a Davis Cup match. <laughs> it took, took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I feel like we always have the same pitch, but it's true. It's true. These are really fun to watch. So we get a chance on the 23rd, the 25th, and then the 2nd and 3rd of March to go see some tennis in person over at Choice Fitness. I believe that's what we got from a UND perspective. You want to do a quick flip? Yeah, let's do a quick quick flip, but a couple minutes. Yeah, so B-side wise, I think in the balance between the two things that we love, baseball and soccer, baseball obviously just getting ready to begin, soccer very much, in the crucible of all the all the competitions happening right now. Champions League started again this last week. We've got FA Cup and Carabao Cup final on Sunday, and the league is still going on. And MLS is starting, by the way, which is crazy. Uh, right now, your squad, as you mentioned earlier, tough, tough one against Wolves. Not a very good Wolves team, uh, 2-1 defeat. But you're still right there, fifth place, just two points back of a Villa side that's not been great lately. Your thoughts on Spurs at the moment, Bill, and where they sit? All right, so I, I I heard a stat yesterday. Do you want a stat? I love a good stat. Yeah, this one's not very good for Spurs. So uh, since the Premier League started and there's been champion league qualifiers, so normally that's four teams, the top four teams in the Premier League out of 20, never, zero, have a team – averaged letting up 1.5 goals a game made the champions league and the spurs today are giving out 1.51 so not great not great uh so i think our defense has been a little leaky and it's been more you know hey they had possession for 70 percent of the game against wolves but honestly alex unless you have quality chances, which they really didn't actually it all. It just means you had the ball. I mean, and then what ends up happening, they got a little impatient and, and, and there it goes the other way. And wolves finished, finished two off one on a set piece and one on a counter. So um, yeah, I mean, it is style. It's style of play. And the one thing about Ange is um he he stays to what he believes he's going to do. 
So he doesn't get too practical during the game. So he just stays the course. And uh, I kind of enjoy it, but um, others might not. It's great from a neutral perspective. I mean, the games are always incredibly entertaining. And obviously, you are in fifth. I mean, I think you've overachieved. Yeah. I would think a lot of people oh, would say 100%. you sold Harry Kane and you've betted in all these new guys, new manager, et cetera. So the fact that you're in this position, just a game out of Champions League, it's pretty good. Yeah. And still 13 games to go, a lot left to be decided. But the one, it's so interesting you mentioned that's that one and a half goals per game. From a hockey perspective, you would say, you're doing great. That's the best defense in the country if you're giving up one and a half. But again, hockey, college hockey is a race to three. Soccer is a race to two most of the time, it yep. feels like. Or even a race to one. And if you're giving up one and a half on an average – you know, you're not going to win as many of those games. Well, especially you if you're at the top end of the uh, of the standings, right? And so at yes. the end, uh, you've got to sprinkle in over 38 matches. I think the best teams probably have clean sheets maybe half the time. I would say the best ones, yeah, probably do. I, I would say the, the goalie who wins Golden Glove for the best you know numbers, most shutouts over the course of the season, it's probably around 15, 16, yeah. 17, kind yeah. of in that range. Yeah. That's usually what wins it. So um, you're probably spot on in that regard. So, so I think that's where they, but, but again, I, they don't, they're not in any other competition. So they just have to figure themselves out. I mean, and you know, I, I, the way they play truly, they literally could beat anybody and they literally can lose to anybody. <laughs> lose to anybody. They literally can beat anybody. So, so, so they are fun to watch. They just I would agree with that. can be frustrating at times. Yeah. Well, because you aren't in any other competitions, you get kind of a mini buy. You get a little time to work on yourself. You get Crystal Palace next, not till the 2nd of March is your next match. You were supposed to play Chelsea this week, but because Chelsea's in the FA yep. Cup or the in the Carabao Cup final on Sunday against Liverpool, that get, that match has been moved to later in the year. So now you get a Palace team who's going to be under new management with Roy Hodgson being relieved of his duties. So interesting stuff there for the Spurs. Liverpool, by the way, 10 points ahead of Spurs in first place. They got a little help this weekend from the Chelsea. So 1-1 draw with Man City means that Liverpool are sort of, quote-unquote, yeah. kind of back in the driver's seat, I guess. But I think, it's awfully tight at the top. It's it's awfully tight. In yeah, I, I think it hasn't changed from pod to pod. The three that have pulled away are Arsenal, Liverpool, and City. And, you know, I, I mean, hey, now now you're going to have to your run out, so to speak. I, you'd better get three every week at this point in time. I feel like it's just a matter of time between before City just goes on a, a tear where they, they, they don't give up three. So right now you're okay. Uh, but Liverpool's had a nice year. They've had a nice year. And they're going to want to win it for Klopp to some degree would be mm -hmm. my guess. Mm -hmm. And that starts on, that's on Sunday. They, they have a chance to lift a trophy on Sunday against Chelsea. Let's let's talk about Bayern Munich right now. What's happening in mm. Bayern right now? I mean, probably not great, huh? Yeah, not great. Uh, they lost again this weekend on mm. 3-2 to a uh, quote-unquote inferior side at the bottom end of the Bundesliga table. Uh, yeah, Bayern have won the Bundesliga regular season championship, I believe, 11 years in a row, 12 years in a row. It's not been since Klopp's Dortmunds. Back in 2013-14, they won back-to-back yeah. -back trophies that year. Uh, Bayern have won every year since. And they should have probably lost last year to Dortmund. It took some wild final day shenanigans for that to flip. But they have really struggled this season under Thomas Tuchel. And your boy Harry Kane's having a good year, scoring goals, etc. But they have now lost a couple of games in a row in the Bundesliga. They lost in the Champions League round of 16 the other day. Again, just the first leg, but... Had a man sent off, lost 1-0. It just, you know, it's a little rocky. They're they're an interesting, interesting club. Expectations are so high. You're expected to win every match. You have, I mean, I think you have the best squad, really. You have a top three squad. I mean, really. Like, if you look around the rest of Europe, Manchester City, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, those are probably the three most loaded teams in terms of talent. And you aren't doing great based on the people that you've got at your disposal. So whether that's coaching, I don't know exactly what's going on. The dynamic just seems a little bit off and they're vulnerable this year, both in the league and in Europe. Do you feel like, uh, and again, that the team that's leading the table is Leverkusen and uh, mm -hmm. obviously manager's been rumored for Liverpool. Do you think that that's where the odds on favorite is at this point? I mean, it feels like it makes the most sense. So Shabby Alonso, the Bayer Leverkusen manager, 
was a Liverpool midfielder. Back back when I started following the club, Shabby was one of our main metronomes in the middle. And he went and played at Bayern and played at Real Madrid. So Liverpool, Bayern, and Madrid are the three clubs that he's most closely associated with. Bayern would like to say, hey, maybe you want to come manage us. <laughs> Why don't you leave? Stay in Germany. Come manage us. We like you. Uh, he's not going to Madrid anytime soon. Carlo Ancelotti just had a contract extension. But the theory would be that if you want to ever manage Liverpool, like this is a place that typically keeps managers for a while. You have a great opportunity to come back to a place that you liked and are beloved. The only thing would be he's very young still in his managerial career. He had managed, I believe, the Real Sociedad youth team Mm. and then moved on to the senior team and then now has been with Leverkusen just for over a season. I think this is his second season. Oh, really? Okay. So he's, he's a young guy and he's not had necessarily the pressure or the burden of being the favorite yet. Leverkusen are named Neverkusen for a reason. They don't win. There's no expectation there. They have a very manageable system. They would be a lot like maybe a Brighton in the Premier League. That's maybe not the best analogy, but like a team that has some good young talent and they typically move on and you're not expected to win the Bundesliga. You're, You're expected to compete, but you're not expected to win. And so there would be some sense, maybe trepidation on his part to move right away from this position to Liverpool, where the expectation would be much greater, and you're replacing a legend. And that's that's hard. That's a hard thing to do. But he would be the Liverpool fans would say this would be the guy we would want right now. So, I haven't seen a better alternative. So last thing Alonso. I would say is that it seems very similar to the Bayern situation where they uh before Tuchel, right? They hired the uh younger coach that uh yeah, that just uh, and again, it is a different deal when you're going into these Bayern Munichs or Real Madrids or, you know, uh, for Pochettino going to PSG or, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the, all of those. It, it's a different um, it's a different expectation level that is occurring than if you're at a Tottenham to some degree or at another. It, it's nice to win something, but if you're in contention, sometimes that's enough. Yeah, I I would say like with Xavi Alonso, listen to Rory Smith talk about this. Rory Smith is the main soccer correspondent for the New York Times. Mm. He went on a deep dive with Roger Bennett on a recent Men in Blazers podcast, which was great. And it was really fun to hear him talk about Alonso's managerial style and what he's picked up from learning from some of the greats of the game, et cetera, and his personality. And he's a very understated guy. And he was when he was a player. And again, this is a guy that's won everything, like one won World Cups and European Championships as a midfielder for Spain, won lots of things with Liverpool and Bayern and Madrid. So he's a winner and he's done it before, but he's also not the type of guy that is all about me. Like it's not, he's not like this big, you know, egomaniac that a lot of Jose, that a lot of these coaches are that rise to the top level. And even Klopp to some extent, like Klopp is very much a, a messianic figure. Yep. And, and he, I think Klopp does it very differently, of course, than Jose Mourinho does, where he makes it about himself, but in sort of a way that takes away from his players takes and tries the to bring off. people together. Takes the pressure off. Exactly. Yep. Jose sort of is, is a narcissist. And I yep. think Jurgen is, it, it's different, but I would say that Alonso is not like that. Like this is a very different guy that just enjoys relationships and managing people and likes likes the game and doesn't necessarily love like the spotlight and all the other things that go with it. There was a great point. Leverkusen beats Bayern a yep. couple of weeks ago and and I think 3-0 like this great performance and the crowd is chanting his name to come out and do the lap of honor with the players to celebrate. And so Alonso comes out and he kind of gives the wave and the player, one of the players comes over and grabs him and Alonso breaks free and then he gets the rest of his staff to come out with him. So it's like, I'm not coming out by myself. I'm going to bring the guys that help make this happen as well. Come out. And like, those are the types of things that you like to see, but he's not like Klopp. Who's the first guy over to the cop to do the fist bumps and is leading the charge with the team. He's a reluctant leader in that sense. So that'll be interesting to see if he does come to Liverpool, how that dynamic plays out. Well, end the pod with this sometimes not the worst. If it it, you get a little bit of a 180 difference than a a, a Mm. Klopp piece, because Klopp is one of one. And 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 Alonzo, because he's had so much success, he'll do it his way. And in his way for for Liverpool, as long as you're winning games and competitive, I'm not quite sure anyone really cares at that point. No, and I think that's why this would work to me. Yeah. Is that you're not going to come in and feel pressure to Agreed. do a Klopp impression, or you've picked someone that is similar and, and right. is another figure like that. 
what's the old saying? Like when you have a coach, you don't want the replacement to be a carbon copy. That's if right. you had an older guy, That's you want right. a younger guy. If you That's had a loud right. guy, you want someone who's quiet. I mean, like you just, it's, it's going to be something very, very different. And because he's had success and because he's been there before, people won't expect him to be different. They'll know what they're getting. And, and I think he'll have a long leash if they don't have success right away. It's not going to be like a Chelsea where you get four months or like a Bayern or a PSG or Barcelona for that matter. Again, poor Shadow right. is, is done at the end of this year. They will give him time that's right. to, to mold and, and bring in his guys if he needs to and, and build it up in his way. And that's why I think it could work. I hope it happens. Again, I, that, that's my choice, but we'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, well, the, the final final thing is the, the cupboard will not be bare for him either. I mean, he just might need to get some folks. I mean, uh, unfortunately, what Postacoglu had to deal with is uh, the all-time player leaving and then really <laughs> yeah. playing a whole different style. And, and mm-hmm. so truly at this point, he's not going to compromise on his style. So at the end of the day, sometimes you're just playing some guys, unfortunately, just not equipped to do what he's asking them to do. So um, it, it's it's fascinating, the little journey right now. So it, it's good. Hey, let me end the pod with this. Is uh, We're recording on February 20th, um, 85th birthday of my mother. So Hey. Yeah, so just a shout out, shout out. They, uh, let's just say they're pod listeners, my my mother and my father. <laughs> so you know what? I think I they'll that. appreciate this. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. 85 years. That's awesome. Yeah, special, special occasion to celebrate. 85 years young. That's correct. So there you go. Well, I, I love that. That is a great way to end uh, on a happy note here as we finish up episode 149. Next time they listen, it'll be episode 150. And we'll have to do something Ooh. special here in Ooh. two weeks. So 150. I love it. It's going to be great. Well, Bill, always a pleasure. Enjoy a big week coming up for you and the athletics all across the board. Huge week. I, I haven't determined what my Saturday looks like yet, but might see you down in Fargo. That'd be fun. Yeah, we'd yep. love to see you. Plenty of time to come down, catch both games, get back up in time for some hockey that night. Maybe you'll miss the first period, but you, you can you can hit up all three. I know. You, you can make it happen. I know. I, there, there's some plates. We're spinning plates right now. Spinning so plates. So more to come. More to come. I will say, if you if you could, be sure to be back in time Saturday for Ryan Duncan one last shift. That's going to be really special. Well, that's the challenge. There's some challenges going there's on. Some challenges. There's some there's challenges. Some challenges. Now, you're, now you're in my world. Now you've just figured out my issues right now. Oh Well, God bless you and your ability to try and make it all happen and be every place at once. It's all good. So, I love all my children. Yes. there are Like Jack said, there are no favorites. You love them all the same. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Good way to end. Big thanks to Bill, as always, for his insight and his expertise. Thanks to Jack Michaels for coming on. Such a light, that man. Thanks to Alex Soccer Johnson and to Paul Ralston for producing this podcast. I'm Alex Heiner. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Enjoy all the great UN The Athletics to come between now and then.